The WIFA team is proud to bring you WIFA Waves. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater, the founder and chief executive officer of the Women in Fitness Association. At WIFA, we believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. WIFA Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, the voice of our global community. Today on the WIFA Waves podcast, I am incredibly fortunate and happy to be talking with one of my longtime mentors and friends, Miss Katie Hendricks. And I want to share a little bit about her before we dive into an interview. So I've known Katie now for, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years, Katie. Ah, that's fun. Um, so I've known Katie for quite some time. Her and Gay are absolutely evolutionary catalysts and pioneers in the world of conscious living and loving for over 50 years. They've been at it, playing with these contexts and creating some incredibly magical tools for us. Um, between the two of them, I know Katie herself has authored dozens of books. Katie, between the two of you, how many books have you authored? Over 40 now. <clears throat> yeah. most, of them, most of them gays, but I've co-authored 12 books with him. Yes, that's amazing. And Katie, one of the things that I love about Katie that's not in her bio per se is her appreciation and absolute masterful study in dance therapy combined with tools for conscious living. And so for anyone in the in the fitness world, and one of the reasons I was really drawn to Katie's work is there's so much body intelligence to the way that she works. And so you're not sitting in a in a therapy office talking through problems per se, you're moving through opportunities. And mm-hmm. um, so anyways, Katie is a, a world renowned and um, known author and brilliant facilitator and coach. And I'm, I'm so lucky to have you on the podcast today. So Katie, welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm really delighted to be with you and delighted to be able to talk to women about the unique issues that we're facing right now. And also wanting to let <clears throat> wanting to let everybody know that I'm just recovering from COVID, which um, and so I'm much, much better, but I'm still a little phlegmy. So um, my, I'm just going to pardon myself now because you may hear me clearing my throat and I'm going to just do my best to communicate. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll do fabulously. And thank you for the context. <laughs> um, so the, the WeFa Waves podcast and the whole really the, the root of the reason for the podcast is to storytell and share other women's stories with other women so that we can hear what's possible and then also to unpack really big topics. So let's start with the context of women helping women. And one of the the things that we talk about at WIFA is what's your big picture purpose? Why do you feel like you're on the planet? And then how does that inform your daily actions or why you woke up this morning? So Katie, can you start there and share with the WIFA audience your big picture purpose, and then how mm-hmm. that informs your day-to-day? Yes. Well, um, I've, I came to my purpose after really wandering into it for many, many years. And, and I finally, I have it in what I can deliver in what we call our little elevator speech. So when people say, what do you do? I say, I feel through to the heart with laser love and evoke essence through deep play. That's what I do. And when I when I say that, I just feel, yeah, that's what I do. Because regardless of what the content is, 
what I'm really looking for is how can each of us expand our ability every day to give and receive more love? And I think of love as being able to be in the same space with. So it can be, can I be in the same space as my criticism of my thighs? Can I be in the same space as feeling that I have way too much to do and not enough support to do it? So bringing love into um, its real equivalence is presence. Can I be fully with what is occurring both inside me and with what I'm noticing? And so for me, that's a, that's really a daily dialogue. And what I think the avenue that really guides me both to be able to love more and to be able to notice more is appreciation. So the art of appreciating is giving sensitive awareness to it's not like oh that's so nice We're, you know it's not skipping over something it's really giving um focus to the nuances of what i'm experiencing what the other or the group is experiencing and that level of appreciation i think really opens the space of connection and so that's what i give attention to really throughout the day is how can I appreciate and how can I focus on what's really wanting to happen here? We have such a what's wrong habit. And I think that's especially indoctrinated into women that um, when I say to women, oh, how are you today? They'll basically look in to tell me what's wrong and what they're doing to fix it. And and we're we're taught to do that not only with ourselves, but with our families and our communities and Uh, You were sort of the social engineers. Mm -hmm. I want to especially highlight what you said about appreciation and giving attention really to what's going well, right? And, and the, and specifically in this is such a lovely segue to the next thought process, which is women historically, because of the scarcity of opportunities have resorted to competition. Yeah, or resorted to competing, and uh, the 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 message of WIFA and the thing that we're really championing is how do you champion one another and use collaboration as the vehicle? And so, in your life, I would imagine coming from the context of appreciation. I mean, do you, do you have any instances that you can recall on where you've chosen comp- chosen collaboration, and then what that's opened up to because you chose that? Oh, well, actually, my entire career has been one of collaboration. So one of the things I want to share, because I realized, wait a minute, I've been, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship and yeah. how I really think entrepreneurship is our future. For many people, it's our present. But yes. for I think that all of us can be contributing our genius into the world and co-creating and that mm-hmm. collaboration is the new frontier. This whole solo entrepreneur um, really um, facilitates competition. And because there's this whole, you know, scarcity of resources. And I think the the context of society, they support competition because that keeps women anxious. And then Mm. they'll be susceptible to buy the next thing that's going to allow them to compete better, whether that's, you know, um, makeup 
Um, also, I want to let you know, I have not, I don't wear makeup. I've never worn makeup. The only time I wear makeup is when I'm going on television so that I don't look like a ghost. But the whole sense of you have to look a certain way, that goes so, I mean, that's centuries old, that you're, we're not really interested in what you do and what your skills are. We're interested in how you look and how we can position you to, to really to sell things. And so, mm-hmm. um, moving out of that has really been lifelong practice for me. So mm-hmm. way back, I've been a entrepreneur since for almost 50 years now. So I wow. have created my own living since 1975. Wow. So, when I met Gay, my husband, Gay Hendricks, we started collaborating right away. But even before I had um, actually right after I met Gay, I got together with another dance movement therapist and we taught together and really created we co-created the somatic psychology program at Naropa Institute out of mm. our collaboration. And when I moved back here to California, all of my work is really in collaboration. And a lot of it has been collaborating with women. I have several women who we've either had a a, a collaborative or a mentee mentor and then co-creative um, relationships. So I have many, many experiences. And in fact, it's only been really since the late 90s that I've been giving a little bit more attention to my own a trajectory and what I want to offer to the world, but that's surrounded by all of these different collaborations that I'm making. And in fact, one of, one of the things that I've been doing for the last six months that I'm going to be continuing until June is a program that's called reweaving the world. And it's a very, um, I don't want to say leisurely, but I want to say it's just an unfolding rather than, oh, this is so urgent. We must do this right now. What are the foundations that we can create that will really allow us to weave with others' genius to create new structures in the world that are based on integrity, that are based on wholeness, on um, being transparent, on taking healthy responsibility, but also on this whole area of appreciating and supporting each other's development of your genius. And I think women especially are are told, don't be too much. I think we more than, you know, I think more than men, more than groups are told, hey, 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 you know, women are supposed to be the helpers. We're supposed to be in the background, you know, don't step forward, don't take up too much space, thousands of messages that we get. And so that's one of the active things that I work on in all of our workshops, all of our seminars are what are the inner voices that are sabotaging you from really being in your full genius and then collaborating with others from their wholeness. Yes, that's an I would imagine over the last 50 years, there's been, can you think of one to three milestones or highlights that come to mind for you that would encourage (laughs) or inspire other women? What are some of your career highlights? Well, one career highlight was um, 
going from six couples in our living room in Colorado to 10 million people on Oprah. <laughs> and when <laughs> that it, that was uh and and uh, there there are two things that I want to highlight about that that were really wonderful. One was that well actually three because when we were first on um Oprah mispronounced my name. And yeah, so and my name is Kathleen. Kathleen. Yes. And everybody and I go by Katie in part because everybody mispronounces my name but um, what I noticed was that right after the first break, she came back and she had corrected that, which I really appreciated. She didn't wait for me to tell her, which I do, which I do now. But so she did that. And I felt, you know, oh, OK, I'm being acknowledged for me rather than yeah. Yeah, who, who she thinks I am. And then when she finished, the first thing that she did was take off her shoes and so she took off her aisles right away. So she was running around barefoot and she shook the hands of every single person in the audience. And I noted that and I asked her staff about that. And she said, they said, yes, she does that every time with every wow. one of her shows. And so my sense was that that sense of weaving, weaving connection is something I thought, oh, well, no wonder people love her. Because yeah. they, each of person feels met and seen and acknowledged. And I really took that as an example of, oh, that everybody wants to be contacted. Everybody wants to have a sense of, I have value. I'm seen. And so I really, I thought, oh, I, you can really succeed doing this. You don't have to succeed by climbing on other people and, uh, making them feel of less value. So that was one highlight for me. Another highlight is that um, Gay and I have just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And That's a huge deal. <laughs> which I, you uh, know, I never, yeah. And um, to find that it can, relationship can just keep getting better and better. I, to, you know, because of course that's part of the, <clears throat> the mythology mm. Well, one is that women are supposed to keep the relationship going. And oh, if something's sure. wrong, it's your fault. And I remember all these <laughs> articles of, you know, how to, you know, five ways to get your man. And yeah, Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, Cosmo. Right. The Cosmo. And, you know, are are you becoming less attractive to your husband? And, you know, all of those, you know, things like it's our job. And so the accomplishment with gay is that we are partners. And it's so clear that we are equal partners. And that's been part of what we've really been presenting in the world is partnership is such an amazing place for each of us to keep discovering lifelong. So and then the third one was that I broke my hip. I fell off my bike five years this. ago. Yeah. 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 Five years ago. Actually, five years ago, this I think, it, no, it was in March. Five years ago, March, I fell off my bike and snapped my hip. And what I feel really the most proud of is that I've recreated my whole body, my whole energetic system over the last four years and am more vital, more energetic, more fit than I've ever been in my life. So this yeah. is what 
I'm just going to stand up for a moment. And also because I want to show you the bottom part of my skirt, which I think is so, Ooh, so cute. Isn't that cute? That is so, so beautiful. This is what 73 can look like. And so the whole sense of we can just keep um, expanding and enjoying life and using ourselves fully. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what life can be about rather than competing and feeling anxious all the time that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. And so uh, showing up, each of us showing up as our unique selves is a gift to the world. Mm. Oh, saying it again for the folks that weren't listening, showing up as your <laughs> unique self is the gift to the world. I'm saying this as I'm breastfeeding my daughter while yes. we're recording. She just started eating. Yes, which uh, is part of uh, your, that's see that. That's one of the things going on I, for me right now. I love what's going on right now of we're actually getting to see women's lives. Yeah. You know, this whole like, oh, uh, you know, because I grew up, my childhood was during the 50s, during the Mad Men time where, yeah. you know, which I called yes. the Betty Crocker era where, uh-huh. um, you know, and father knows best and all of those very strict role behaviors. Um, yeah. you know, that the, and I grew up in one of those families, which, um, was pretty much a disaster. My dad worked for GM and my mother was at home with the three kids. I'm, I'm the middle of two brothers, older and younger. And my mother, and part of what I learned from my mother was a very accomplished artist and should actually probably never have really been a mother because she, she didn't like taking care of us and you know like she was a terrible cook and she didn't really want to be doing that and she really wanted to be doing her art but she had this message from society about well this is your job to she was a great hostess and did entertainment because my father was an executive with GM and so she did all of these you know hosting and uh and so that's what I grew up with and uh with all of those very strict roles but I could see the cost of it from my mother. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then of course the cost for our family because she wasn't happy. And so then, you know, she passed that on to us. And, and so mm-hmm. no matter what we did, it always reflected badly on her. <laughs> mm. Right. Well, and how liberating that we get to make it up now is really how I feel. I mean, there's there, once you do make it up, there's a, uh, what I experienced to be a, a recommitment every day to this is what I'm choosing yes. because there's going to be folks that tell you it's not okay. Oh, so, oh, boy, is yeah. that a thing? And it, that's going to segue into our topic here in a minute. And so I think it, we, we have the opportunity to create the life that we want Yes, and getting, and being clear on how you then stand in that. How you stand the game. in that. And then also how. I think one of the biggest things that's opened up for women is support, supporting each other. Yes. And for me, that avenue comes through appreciating. And um, for me, appreciating is the pathway to genius. So if I'm, when I'm interacting with someone, if I'm really focusing on what's unique about them, it's like their particular instrument in the world. And so one of the things from, from the moment that I met you, one of the things that most struck me about you is your clarity. 
and how mm. easily your clarity comes through you and not with any kind of um you know judgment or uh, but there's just this clarity that opens up the space for exploration. And so I think it's, of course, you would be doing a podcast because <laughs> that clarity allows you to tune into what's of value here. What do I want to say next? How does this relate to these other things? But that's easy for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for us to open up to as women, what's easy is a signpost to genius. What's hard and difficult is often what comes from society. It's like, you should be, and how come you don't? And when are you gonna? Uh, And you couldn't possibly do that unless you like lose 10 pounds or change your hair or honey. I can remember my mother saying, you'd be so pretty if you just get your hair off your forehead. And so all of my life, my hair has grown forward. So to have something that's natural to me, they have somebody saying, don't be like you are, and then you'll be acceptable. I think women have thousands of those kinds of experiences that we can each draw on. So as we support what's really easy that you may not recognize about yourself, because it's so easy for you, but that's a signpost of genius. And if I support your genius then you expanding your genius, that gives you more open space to see other people's genius. And then we're all contributing and weaving our genius together to create more space for all of us to be our creative selves. Mm. And the word easy. Yeah. And it being a indicator. So I, I, I was on a call last week speaking with a woman and kind of reshaping the way she's working with our organization so that she can feel really alive doing it. And I was using the phrase, like, what what comes easily, but what do you love? And yeah. you're talking about genius. Would you share how easy is an opening to genius? And then what you mean when you're saying genius for the audience that might be like, what is what is she what mean is genius? She's saying what genius? Is yes. So, so say more there. So if you want to read definitively about genius, read uh, Gay's book, The Big Leap, which will really lay it all out Mm -hmm. for you in detail. But the shorthand version is genius is you're spending most of your time doing the things that you love to do. And how you'll know it's genius is that you get energy from what you're doing rather than it depleting you. And you could do it all day long because it's you just love it. Time disappears. So genius is easy. And it we kind of dismiss it. And I think especially women dismiss it because it's just so easy. You know, it couldn't possibly be valuable because it's easy, you know, because we're taught that, you know, life is hard and it's tough and, you know, you got to get there and compete and it's, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And But my experience in working with thousands of people is that people's genius flows from them, like just like a flower blooming. It's easy. And if we acknowledge that, then people go, oh, oh, that. You mean that the where I can notice people's feelings and help them clarify that? And uh, or I can help people to see when I'm with people, I can see what it is that they want to express 
just as it's emerging. So I have an emergent kind of a, a genius. I can see what is just about to happen. And so I can assist people to open up to what's next. That's very easy for me. I could do it all day long. And I love to inspire people, but also I think lend my energy to what it is they're wanting to discover. So I create context or um, landscapes of discovery where people can find their own what it is they love to do and learn how to express that more in the world. But I think each of us, as we're appreciating what we notice and love about other people, that is an aspect of their contribution in the world that's easy and and that they love to do, but they probably don't see. So we can support others by going, hey, I just love the way that you noticed that um, that this child was about to run out the door and you just went over and, and got them, you know, so that sense of seeing what's going on around you rather than just being in your own oblivious space, that could be an aspect of that person's genius that they could then apply to their work, to their decisions, to their life at home. All aspects of life are really enhanced by knowing what your genius is. And what a brilliant way to live. Well, it's, it's, it's a brilliant, it, it ripples out to other people without costing you anything. Right. So genius is really an overflow. If I'm living in my genius, then, then I become like a lighthouse, you know, or dropping the pebble in the pond and those ripples then extend to other people that can then extend to other people. And I think it's an effortless way that we can positively change the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and for it, it, I had the, as you were saying that what just came through is if every woman chose from a place of, I just love doing this and it's easy. What sort of environment there would be in organizations where women were in leadership in homes where women were, um, you know, like right now, like getting to run your business from home and having your family or your partnerships, whatever that looks like. If you were coming from that place, what kind of humans would be raised? What kind of organizations would have? It just, I want that for every woman that wants that. I I definitely want that. And I'm thinking of the phrase, it takes a village. Yes. And, you know, in the old days, we had villages and we had extended families. And so um, the the whole raising of children, but also community was how we lived together. And so there, yeah. there are a lot of articles now about how the nuclear family is really not working mm-hmm. in a very fundamental way that we, that we all need support. We all are, we're not designed to be like full-time mothers and not expressing our own contributions that extend beyond being mothers includes mothers, but being trying to be forced into this, you can only express yourself through being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I'd like to see a whole lot more women standing up and saying, ha uh-uh. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't want to be a mom. Like that's important to say if that's right. your choice. Yeah. Right. And that yes. that's a viable choice as well. And yes. I want to, I'm, I, this is just coming to me right now. So I just want to throw it into yeah. the, the biggest thing mm-hmm. I would like all women to know is that the source of your muchness 
is in celebrating and loving and occupying your body fully. We've all received thousands of messages that your body is bad, being a woman is bad. I grew up my entire childhood. We never heard the word period, menstruation, ever, ever. That was considered taboo. You never talked about mm-hmm. uh, what it, the life of being a woman and what that is like. That was secret mm-hmm. and sort of mysterious, but also kind of, ooh, kind of bad and icky. And so, uh, you know, that's what I grew up with. So what a change that people can just, you know, on, you know, first time I heard somebody talking about their period on a television show, it was like, people, people, look, notice, this is like, you know, no big deal. Like no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Because of what happened also is because of that secrecy, the 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 contributions that that women make through their bodies are not really acknowledged and it creates this tremendous fear so i grew up with this fear of oh my god what's going on you know cuz we we never got any education my sex education was basically my mother came in and sat on my bed when i was 12 and said kathy cuz that's what i was called then don't ever let a boy lie on top of you that was my okay. sex education. And so I went, oh my like, God. you know, so I, you can imagine how I interpret that. Well, does that mean I shouldn't let things get too close? Cause I didn't know anything right. about sex. We had, there was nothing. Um, and we have opposite kinds of problems now where, you know, you can find porn everywhere and the, you know, the, yeah. there are many more problems, but at the core of that, I think is the, trying to control women's bodies and women. I want every woman to reclaim her body and the beauty and uniqueness, but the enjoying of being in a body that can move and feel and celebrate and has curves and, or doesn't have curves and is long or is wide or, but your muchness is the society wants you to contract. And and be good and be quiet and follow your rules. And I want women to occupy themselves fully out to the edges so that you move when you feel like and you make lots of noise when you feel like it. (laughs) And you express yourselves what I call your muchness, reclaiming your muchness. Mm. Oh, thank you for saying that. And it's it's so to the tune of why this organization exists. So thank you for claiming that. And it's, it's so, yeah, the, I I could, I could elaborate on everything you've just said. So I'm going to just seal it in time and thank you. You're welcome. (sighs) So let's talk about a topic that we put out into the member toolkit this month called the ULP ULP. Um, it was an acronym. I remember when I went to Katie's first training yep. and I had, I had just finished reading the big leap for the first time, which totally changed my life. And That's what people since, say, <laughs> yeah. And I've read it every year since I really have. I keep revisiting That's it. I wonderful. love the, I love the audible version because you can talk through it. And exactly. for those of, for anyone that doesn't know, I've been, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with Katie and gay in person. So the book got popped up and came to life in a lot of ways for me over the three years that I spent with them. And 
the topic that I wanted to bring to the WIFA members was the idea of ulp hunting or identifying the ulps in your life. And so I thought, what better way to talk about the upper limit problem than to talk about the person that invented it? And so <laughs> that's one of the reasons I brought Katie on the show because I want her to talk through it because it's one of the things, and I'll just say it not to be a spoiler alert, but <laughs> go ahead to identify in your life where you might be limiting yourself or doing the things that Katie's talking about where society says, no, 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 here's the box, stay in the box. And so how do you defrag the programming from the world while also looking for your own ways that you might be stopping yourself? Yeah, um, enjoying life. And so Katie, can you tell them what yeah. the upper limit problem is and then how to be on the lookout without living in fear, but to see it as friendly? Yes. You know? so, well, yes. And we'll touch on fear too, because we have all kinds of resources to help befriend fear. So the upper limit problem is a, um, it's a human evolutionary problem. It's not a personal problem. We tend to personalize it like it's there's something wrong with me. But our it, we evolved as humans by being able to notice the threat more quickly. So we're wired up for noticing what's wrong. Our ancestors were not the flower children. They were the people who noticed, hey, something, something's wrong. I can sense that something's wrong. And so we're wired up for for only allowing ourselves to enjoy a certain amount of kind of free form aliveness before we hit what we call your upper limit of how much enjoyment, how much aliveness, um, how much of your muchness you can enjoy and before you bring yourself back to a more familiar level. And what I've noticed, because I've taught all over the world, is that all cultures have a version of the upper limit um, problem. So in Australia, they call it the tall poppy syndrome. So they say, don't be a tall poppy, because if you stick your head up, what's going to happen to you? The tall poppy, you know, gets cut off. Um, and one of my favorites is from Germany, which is... Um, the bird that sings in the morning, in the evening, will be eaten by the cat. It's My, so sad. I know it's so sad, but it, all so cultures sad. have this. Yeah, they and have I it. think it's it's really the attempt here is to protect us. So the upper yeah. limit was is really a um, it, it's a survival mechanism, and so what we have thousands of years of uh oh what's wrong and contracting, which is what we do in fear. But what we're really, the intention of all of our work is to expand our capacity every day to enjoy more uh, freedom, to enjoy more expression, to enjoy more success and abundance. So we're really expanding our capacity every day. So mm -hmm. here's how it looks. You feel good and then Personally, one of the best ways that people bring themselves back down is criticism. So critical thoughts about yourself, I would say, are number one. And so we like to help. I like to help people notice when you're feeling good, what kinds of thoughts come up? 
when you're feeling good and things are going well, what kinds of activities do you engage in? So one of the things I used to do when I was feeling really good was that I would just have a little bite of chocolate or I'd find myself going to the refrigerator to eat something that I thought, oh, tastes really good, but the effect of it was to bring my energy down. Uh, so I know we all have both personal habits, but we also have like relationships with regard to like running your household. So an upper limit would be, I can't give any attention to myself because it got to clean the kitchen. Or um, I'll, there'll be time for me once everybody else is fed and they've gone off to school. But, but of course, that never happens because there's always more to be done. So it can be, and then relationally, the I'd say the there are two things that people do, and this is not just in romantic relationships. It can be in your friendships and your relationships with colleagues. A couple of the things that people do is criticism shows up. So listening for criticism or criticizing yourself, criticizing your partner is number one. Number two is breaking agreements. So is not doing what you said you were going to do or doing what you said you were not going to do. Like it can be something really simple, like you were going to put the dishes into the dishwasher, didn't do it, you know, or your partner was going to put the dishes in the dishwasher, didn't do it. So that's a way that those are the ways that people bring themselves down. And so all of our work, and you can find this in, in all of our seminars and all of our videos is really about what do I do in that situation to recover my wholeness so that I can expand again. So it would be something like acknowledging, oh, I just realized I criticized myself. So I'm now going to shift into, hmm, I'm going to just appreciate myself right now so that I can reestablish the, my inner equilibrium and my good feeling about me. Because if I shift from criticism to appreciating, that is a very powerful shift that you can continue practicing that builds your ability to expand in, in appreciating and enjoying yourself. Hmm. So one of the things that I want to say it's not is this isn't about fixing no. things. So one of the, the I'll call it like a, a, a sideways path that I've experienced over the last, you know, decade I've been playing with this is to not use it as a way to picket myself. Yes. And then also not use it as a like, oh, I did that because I do that. And, and then be like, oh, I need to fix that part of me. Oh, right. that's my I, I I always, you know, eat that one thing and self-sabotage. And I I'm not typically one to fall into patterns like that, but what I can do is make myself wrong. Yeah. Because I've spotted something instead right. of seeing it as a way to create aliveness. Right. That's so that's so important. I so appreciate you mentioning that. So what most people do is when they notice the upper limit problem, then instead of we call that noticing the drift. So you've drifted away from your experience of wholeness and and mm -hmm. creative expression and connection. So what I then add to that is beating up on myself. And so yes. what that does is just delay. That's like making the oscillation a really, really big one rather than what we say is notice the drift and make the shift. Notice that we don't say notice the drift, take 10 minutes to beat up on yourself, 
you know, <laughs> call up your girlfriend and tell her what, you know, what an awful person you are. And you did it yep. again. And then she says, yes, you did. God, when are you going to get mm-hmm. over this? And then yes. finally, and then apologize to everybody. And so we have all of these mechanisms that don't really make any, they don't shift our experience. The only thing that shifts is shifting into curiosity, shifting into, hmm, what could I learn from this? I mean, getting genuinely curious about that, shifting yeah. into appreciating yourself, like appreciating yourself for noticing, oh, yeah. I just got unpresent. Okay, I'm going to pause and take a couple of breaths and mm-hmm. listen to my body. What does my body want to do right now? And they're almost always, if I do that, my body will say, well, yeah, I'd like a drink of water or yeah. I'd like to just lie down for 10 minutes and and ground myself and then get back into action. So mm-hmm. we have this go, 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 do, 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 and then collapse. So yeah, one of the big things I've found in the in during the COVID period is that I never really had any rest. I never rested. I was like the energizer bunny. I would just go, 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 go until I would. Go. And mm-hmm. so learning that I'm much more effective if I can notice when it's time to rest. And when I do that, and then I get back into action again, I'm actually way more effective than if I just went, 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 and just pushed through. So there, your body can become an ally, your inner, your body wisdom can become an ally. And you also become more available for support. Because we all have, you know, the sense of, um, you know, uh, she let herself go. That was one of the things that I used to hear my aunt and my mother talk about was that somebody had let herself go. And I went, where did she go? Where did she let herself go to? Like, did she go to Vienna or did she go, uh, you know, river rafting? Where did she go? No, letting herself go was like she lost control of herself. And so I think at the base of all of this is a fear. And Gay talks about fears in the, um, in the big leap. But on our foundation website, the Foundation for Conscious Living, we have a whole section now that I've developed over the last three years that is about befriending fear. And it's called Unlocking the Fear Code. And it has experiential activities and practices that will allow you to shift from fear into presence so that you don't have to worry about getting scared. You're going to get scared. In fact, moving into your expanding your experience of your upper limits comes with fear. It comes with going through that doorway of fear into the unknown, like, it could really be this good. And so we have with things called we have fear melters and finding your fear signature and activities to befriend fear and breathing activities, many and they're all free videos for you to support your expansion into your enjoying your life, being present, but also being able to connect and collaborate with others. Because my sense is we cannot collaborate from fear. Because if I'm in fear, you look like the enemy. And I think that's one of society's moves, especially with women. Keep Mm -hmm. us in fear. And then other women look like, oh, she... She's good. Look how many followers she has. Oh, I only have three likes. She has 400,000 likes. Oh, I must be a terrible. That whole, that's all run by fear. And so as each of us learns how to befriend our fear, we can really celebrate our own uniqueness 
without that constant comparison and, and competition with others. Which ties so beautifully into how we kicked off this conversation with collaboration <laughs> and how women can really step into the full expression of what the world really needs from them, I believe. Yeah, what the, and what they need. So I think yeah. each of us has a purpose that we can only contribute, that only we can create in the world. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of us all as instruments in a large orchestra. And that as each of us really plays our instrument fully, we contribute to the music. We contribute to the harmonies that be, can be created in the world that we can't do on our own. We mm-hmm. cannot do it on our own. And mm-hmm. as we each recognize that, but we're also willing to receive. One thing I like to tell women especially is check your receivers. If you, you know, gotten the gunk off of your receiver so that you're actually able to receive support. You're able to receive compliments. You're able to receive appreciation. And when we fill our own reservoirs and we come from a full reservoir, then other people can, just like the rivers flow, we can flow and contribute without depleting ourselves. Yes. Okay. I want to just tie a bow right there. And really gonna seal this conversation with Katie. Is there anything that you want to share with the audience about your offerings or something that you would like to you mentioned so many things on the website that we'll make sure to point them back to? Is there anything specific you want to make sure that they hear? Yes, one new thing that Gay and I are doing that we just started um, in uh, January, which was okay. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the things we're doing, we're calling it Gay and Katie's Playground. And it's uh, it's an hour and a half to a two hour kind of gathering once a month where we talk about uh, a relationship concept and then we have some experiential activities but then we also do little mini sessions with the people who are showing up whether they're in partnership or in single or you know it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship this is just in the area of relationship and you get to see gay and me together which is you know because we've um i think what we've created is unique on the planet the and i would love people to be able to see here's what's possible in close relationship. And so mm-hmm. you can find out about that either on Hendrix.com or on the foundation for conscious living.org. So we have two websites. Okay. One is our charitable website where we have all of, we have lots and lots and lots of uh, free stuff. And okay. also on Hendrix.com, we have uh, where we have our seminars listed. So people can find out the details about it there. Beautiful. Well, we will be sure to link that as Great. well as your information so folks can get back to you. Katie, thank you for being here today and for sharing your genius with us and My breaking down the topic. And thank you for, for how you're demonstrating the weave of being a mother, being a partner, being an entrepreneur, being a uh, really a gathering place for women to express themselves, but also to find out what's next. 
what else would my genius like to be contributing in the world? So appreciate you uh, showing people how we can do all of that at the same time. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah, you for thank seeing you. me. Uh, all right. We feel waves. We will see you on our next episode. Be well.